Election College, episode 148, The Amendments That Didn't Make It. Let's throw a political party. Face it, the political scene sucks, but did it always? It's time for Election College, and class is in session. Now, your hosts, Jason Goff and Ben Smith. So, Ben, in the last episode, we talked about all the amendments to the Constitution and the fact that the authors of the Constitution said, hey, you can change this thing every now and then. And uh, there have been over 11,000 attempts to change the Constitution, and some of them are just too awesome to not talk about. (laughs) But first, (laughs) there have been several unratified amendments. There have been six that Congress said, Hey, states, what do you think about this? And the state said, um, we'll get back with you or what? Yeah. So, I mean, there's the there are some that are still out there that could technically still be passed, I guess. Uh, and then there was a law introduced later on where they put limits on them. And so those are, you know, most of those are closed out. But the first one was the, well, not the first one in date, but the first one that we're going to talk about. The Congressional Apportionment Amendment. This one has been pending since September 25th of 1789. Eleven states ratified it, but it didn't get enough to actually pass. And essentially, this is saying, you know, those congressional districts we talked about a few episodes back in when we did gerrymandering and all that kind of stuff, says that the congressional districts would be regulated for the House of Representatives. So, you know, no more messing around with them. Um, they're, they're going to be strict. And so there is in place, you know, only, there can only be a certain amount of representatives, but that doesn't, nothing, there's nothing out there about the, the size of their districts and the shape of their districts and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. This one's a crazy one because, okay, it gets introduced in 1789. The states are, well, they're a little slow in getting the thing ratified. And by the time it's set to get that three fourths plateau well there's more states in the union and now you would have to have an additional 27 states say hey this sounds great so if anybody wants to get active and make this happen find out if your state has ratified this amendment (laughs) yeah you can uh make that your rallying cry what about the next one jason this one's really interesting to me it's all about being an American and also being a noble person of another country. Yeah. So this one takes a pretty hard line on if another nation gives you a title of nobility, then our government would say, hey, you're no longer a citizen, period. (laughs) (laughs) So this was a pretty big deal when it was um, passed because it was 1810. And, you know, the French, they were busy overthrowing their monarchy and well the british were busy trying to do us in steal all our sailors and stuff yeah we're not impressed yeah it's really interesting when you look at both past amendments and uh, you look at, at amendments that did not pass 
and you look at amendments that didn't even make it out of committee, essentially, but were proposed, it tells you a lot about the time that, that you're in, because you have to imagine in 1810, we're like kind of conflicted with France, and we've just come out of the Revolutionary War, and we're just about to get into the War of 1812, and like we're proud super proud of being Americans. We are our own country. And forget you if you're going to give one of our people the title of sir or something stupid like that. So America's like, no, you're American <laughs> or you're not. No, none of this both thing. Yeah. So another amendment that spoke to the times was the Corwin Amendment. And that was proposed in 1861. And it said that the Constitution would shield domestic institutions of the states, which, well, let's just face it, a domestic institution, 1861, you're talking about slavery. And this was passed again in 1861. It was submitted to the states. Five states ratified it, and it was one of the measures that Congress tried to use to attract the seceding states back into the Union, and it was an attempt to entice border slave states to stay. So let's just put it this way. The Cornwin Amendment was an amendment that sought to preserve the Union, but didn't. There it lingers. Yeah, if you want to get your state to ratify it now, feel free. I don't think it's going to pan out too well for you, though. The Child Labor Amendment was sent out there in June of 1924, and 28 states actually ratified this one. And essentially what this one does is it tells Congress that they have the power to tell people under 18 years of age whether they are allowed or not allowed to work. And yeah, some states thought, sure, why not? Why shouldn't Congress have that ability? And other states said, no way, we're going to tell our people whether they can uh, work or not. And to this day, as an employer, I can tell you that the difference between federal and state labor laws is incredibly confusing. So I don't know if this would have been a good uh, amendment to pass or not, but um, I can tell you that the multiple different expectations from different people is sometimes difficult. Yeah. And sometimes amendments that seem like, well, of course they will pass. Uh, they don't make it. And one of those is the Equal Rights Amendment, which would have prohibited deprivation of equality of rights by the federal or state governments on account of sex. And this is the first amendment that doesn't just linger out there. It was presented to the states in early 1972 and was out there for seven years. And by the time 1982 rolls around, the amendment failed to get the necessary states. So 35 of the states ratified it. And because those other remaining states did not, there it is, dead. So there's the District of Columbia Voting Rights Amendment. And that went out in August of 1978 and, of course, ran all the way through August of 1985. It was only ratified by 16 states, which kind of makes me think, Hey, Congress, what, why weren't you paying attention to your constituents? But the essentially what it means is the District of Columbia can have full representation in Congress. And so, you know, it has all the same then representation rights as any other state. Um, 
it would have repealed the 23rd Amendment and given the, uh, you know, Washington, D.C., given that full representation in the Electoral College. But the states didn't want it. And so it failed after the allotted amount of time. So it's kind of nice in a way that the amendments don't, or these proposed amendments don't just linger like they used to. But, you know, now you have to start restart the whole process again in order to get some of these. Yeah. So there are nearly 12,000 proposed amendments. And we promised in the last episode that we were not going to cover every single one of them. <laughs> Nor could we. <laughs> <laughs> but it is kind of a, a, an interesting exercise to go through some of these amendments or proposed amendments and, well, really think about them. And uh, we decided to pull out a couple because they're just too tantalizing to not. And um, yeah, let's get into it. 1876 rolls around and for whatever reason, uh, and of course this, these are not necessarily amendments that actually go out to the states. Remember, they're not being put out for ratification. They're, they can be anywhere from in a committee to out of one person's mouth to on the floor of the Senate or the House. So these could be one person or almost, you know, three, three-fourths of Congress could totally depend. Anyway, uh, 1876 rolls around and somebody's like, hey, you know what? United States Senate, we hate it. Let's get rid of it. Let's just <laughs> totally throw it out of the water. <laughs> I have a feeling this was either um, a, an interesting individual that proposed this from the Senate or it was somebody in the House of Representatives who was like, nah, we're... We're what it's all about, not them. Yeah, it does make me wonder if the whole idea of this representative form of government was being challenged at that time. Because later on, we do have the deal where the senators are voted through a popular vote and instead of being selected by the governor or the legislatures of the states. You know, perhaps they were thinking, hey... Um, we can converse a little bit faster than we could 100 years ago. We don't need that type of representation. I don't know, but yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I'd, I'd love to see the wheels that were spinning at that time for sure. Uh, 1876 also, there was an, a proposed amendment that uh, forbade anybody who was a religious leader from coming into a government office or getting federal funding. And I don't mean just like walking into the office. I mean uh, <laughs> from being a government official. So uh, that would rule out a ton of people who have held office since then, for sure. There have been a lot of people sure who um, you know, definitely would fall under that category. Yeah. And how would you enforce that? Because what if you decide to resign right. uh, your position? I'm sure that would have created a ton of loopholes. Or you know there are some some positions I, I don't I don't know if positions is the right word but uh, some things like some of you may be familiar with deacons and uh, is a deacon a religious leader or are they a person who is serving in the church I don't know I guess that would be up to interpretation somehow so maybe it's for yeah. the best that that one didn't pass because it would have been confusing here's a noble one in 1878 um, somebody said an executive council of three should replace the office of president. And what they were thinking was that, hey, 
this is kind of a, a good idea that would have come from ancient times where the the president's power is limited it's it's right now our president has too much power and it needs to be divvied up a little bit it could have also just been somebody who disliked rutherford b hayes because he was president (laughs) at the time so who knows if it if it was for the better or for the worse but there probably would have been easier ways to get rid of him than i would imagine uh 1893 rolls along and i don't know if they were trying to communicate with aliens or just thought that we should have a bigger name than we do but Somebody proposed that we should name the country the United States of the Earth instead of the United States of America. Uh, so there you go. You can be a little more broad in your... We can essentially encapsulate the entire world and all the countries and still have the same name, which would be interesting for sure. I think it's spectacular when you when you really get down to it to think that you're the United States of Earth. Uh-huh. I mean, that is one really good way to have... Uh, relations with other nations to say, well, we're the United States of Earth and you're just XYZ country. (laughs) But we've got it going on here. That's right. Yeah, I don't really think we were much of a um, get along with everybody country in 1893. We were kind of doing our own thing for a few years at that time. Yeah. It's kind of, you know, it reminds me a little bit of how, you know, baseball, we, we call it the world series uh-huh. and you're the world champions. And even in football, they'll say that, you know, the winner of the big game, uh, that they're, they're the world champions. And well, probably the rest of the world doesn't care too much. Right. Speaking about, uh, not really getting into other people's business and, and stuff like that. In the 1890s, there was also an amendment that sought to, get rid of the army and the navy and i don't know i'm sure it wasn't an air force guy because they weren't around yet but if there was an air force guy around he probably would have liked that one but anyway uh (laughs) the military guys i don't i don't get their jokes i'm not in the military but the uh we were at such a time where it was like man are, are the army and navy even really worth the money we're spending on them we're not in any wars we don't have anything you know pressing that we could really and then somebody cut them off in the middle of their speech and said, yeah, but if we don't have an army or a navy, who's going to defend us against all the people who do? So that one never went anywhere either. There is a very interesting proposal that came across the, well, I don't know if it was the Senate or the House floor, but in 1916, um, hey, put your money where your mouth is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, all acts of war should be put to a national vote. And anyone who votes yes has to register as a volunteer for service in the Army. That's a really crazy one, I think. I mean, crazy in a cool-slash-terrifying way, because would would no one say yes to wars that were necessary if they didn't want to fight in them? And or would you have a lot of people who just wanted to go out and fight because that's you know, their personality, voting for wars. I don't know, but it would certainly be an interesting dynamic to see. Hey, in 1933, there was an attempt to limit personal wealth to a million dollars. That's it. You made your million. Yeah. And I mean, a million dollars in 1933 was quite a lot of money, and it still is for that matter. But, uh, you know, we're coming off the Great Depression, 
uh, or actually not really even coming off the Great Depression, uh, the Great Depression is kind of still in the process. And people say, you shouldn't have more than a million dollars because so many people don't have anything right now. And of course, this one didn't get through Congress either, but it was proposed and it didn't go anywhere. And uh, 1938, uh, the forbidding of drunkenness in the United States and all of its territories. So if you want to get drunk, uh, well, cross the border. (laughs) Don't do it around here. And this one is after, interestingly, that somebody proposes this after prohibition is repealed. So they were like, come on, guys, prohibition didn't work, so let's just make it so people can't get drunk. And everybody else is like, we we tried that. We, like, got rid of alcohol, and it didn't work. So <laughs> <laughs> get over it. People are going to get drunk, I guess. Yeah. And there's some other ones that are uh, very odd-sounding because, well, in 1948, uh, the citizens should be able to segregate themselves from others. Um you can kind of do that, I guess. <laughs> Just stay at home. <laughs> it's like the introvert amendment. Right. I'm sure there's some really negative things that this amendment is referring to, probably along the lines of, um, you know, civil rights and so on. But um, I'm going to take a politically neutral stand on this and say it's it's an introvert thing. Sure. Yeah, and so there are a ton of other kinds of things. These are kind of some of the more interesting slash crazier ones. We mentioned there are like 12,000, so there's a ton more. I mean, you've got amendments saying uh, that you've got proposed amendments that lead to the Civil War because they didn't get passed. Uh, you've You've got ones about abolishing the death penalty that were proposed and, and are still proposed every year. You've got ones on term limits. You've got ones on having a balanced budget. You've got ones that were proposed uh, to you know, actually like, I think I don't actually have a number. This is hyperbole, but like half the amendments that were proposed are a, about one way, shape or form of in marriage involved in marriage. Uh, there's just a ton of proposed amendments, and it's like, I have an opinion, I should propose an amendment so that it makes a statement. And so who knows how many of these actually really ever get any traction past uh, somebody's mouth. So one of the great things about our Constitution is that if there's something that you see that is outdated or just doesn't seem right, doesn't seem like that was the Founding Fathers' original intent, or just doesn't seem like it's up with the times you can change it. And sometimes it's a good idea to do that. And other times, as we see, it's interesting. Kind of crazy. You know what is also kind of crazy? The fact that you guys have not, well, some of you have, but a lot of you haven't bought an ugly Christmas sweater yet. And it's that time of year where you're going to be getting invited to your holiday parties and you need an ugly Christmas sweater to wear. We have a solution for you. Yeah, if you head over to the Election College store, which is electioncollege.com slash store, you will see our amazing selection of ugly Christmas sweater t-shirts. We have Andrew Jackson, John Quincy Adams, and of course, the spin doctor himself, Alexander Hamilton. All these guys will be sure to impress your friends and even a few enemies. You might even <laughs> discover that some of your friends are actually enemies. Or vice versa. It's possible too. Yeah. Yeah. If you see somebody, if you're wearing the Alexander Hamilton shirt and you see somebody wearing an Aaron Burr shirt and you, that might get tricky, but it's fine. 
Yeah, nobody's wearing an Aaron Burr. <laughs> you're really Christmas. You're right. What was I thinking? If if you're wearing one, send us a picture so we can um, mock you, <laughs> and we will know that you are one of our friends if you head over to iTunes and let's let's say 120 seconds <laughs> of your time this this week because you want to leave a six sentence review of the podcast. Head over to iTunes. You can visit our special link, which is electioncollege.com slash iTunes. And that does help us get the podcast in front of more amazing people just like you. We love interacting with each and every one of you on our social media sites, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all at Election College. You can find us, uh, you know, when you like stuff, when you retweet stuff, when you comment. We actually like see that stuff. There's real people that are typing out the messages that you see and respond to. So keep that in mind. Yeah. And we can't wait to join you again next week for another episode. 